0: Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Talk. Hi, Katie. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Book Talk. Book Talk is your weekly podcast book club where we discuss one section of a fiction book. And in this week's episode, we're talking about the second section of the perfect ruin by shanora williams and sorry it was again a long one but now we're done with part one and then next week we're going to read part two and then the last week will we will read part three so the next two parts are like shorter but i felt like we just had to get through the beginning to make it move along i think like parts three or parts two and three are going to go really fast we shall see We shall see. Yeah, we're in part two
1: of our reading, but we are still in part one of the book. So we are still stuck inside Ivy's head. um, And as she's trying to infiltrate Lola's inner circle and get closer to her and her family, she does end up going to the camp and staying in Lola's cabin. Um, It doesn't work out exactly as planned because she runs and finds Kiki on her morning run and pushes her off of a cliff. For a while there, we're not sure if she accidentally killed her, but this does get her in with Lola. So now she is the number two. Um, As she spends more time at their house, she starts to see Corey more. There is one hookup scene by the pool late at night. Um, And things, I still don't know what Ivy's end plan is here, um, but I think that we are supposed to think Lola suspects nothing. We definitely know through this section that Georgia does. Um, Towards the end, Kiki wakes up. There's a little bit of drama when she wakes up immediately hating Ivy and accusing her of pushing her. Um, Ivy is getting a little bit desperate, asking some more questions of Lola if she has any regrets, looking through her personal items. So it feels like the tension is building.
0: Feels like it definitely, the tension I think is building.
1: <laughs> the tension is definitely built. Things are <laughs> happening.
0: Yes. You start off this summary by saying that we're still stuck in Ivy's head. So I'm taking from that that you are not enjoying being in Ivy's world.
1: No, I'm not. I don't like being in Ivy's head. I think she's kind of slimy and like, I don't know. I wrote down arrogant too. Like, I feel like this girl just thinks the world revolves around her. And it feels like this section to me feels a little bit over-dramatized, like, everything is, I don't know, Ivy's whole life, I feel like she might be insane. I I don't know what's happening, but I feel like I'm just not enjoying being in her head that's constantly plotting against other people and is like creepy kind of. Um, I do think she's an unlikable narrator. I still, maybe you can explain to me, like what is the point of those, of the unlikable, unreliable narrators?
0: I think this is a trope because we are sort of fascinated by people who are, like anti-heroes or people who are really, really dramatically bad because they exemplify someone who's so different from most people. Like I think most people think of themselves as morally good and like a good person with good motives, good intentions, whether that's true or not. And so it's fun to sort of step into somebody who is totally on the other side and not ashamed of it at all. Sort of like our obsession with like serial killers and like people on the fringes of, you know, what's acceptable or, you know, even like watching like My Strange Addiction. Like we're so fascinated by people who we consider to be different. And I think that's usually why people find unlikable narrators interesting. I I go back and forth with it. I think I can appreciate if they are darkly funny. I think what you were saying earlier with me, Ivy is like darkly Unself-aware, where everything she's criticizing everybody else for is something she herself does, and that part is kind of funny. She's like, "Oh, these people and their social media," and then she's like, "Okay, now I get it. I have all these followers, and I love it."
1: <laughs> they're like, "Girl, what are you saying?" I get what you're saying about unlikable well, narrators. I feel like my thing with Ivy is like she's not super evil. Like I feel like she's just kind of annoying. <laughs> like yes, when she changes her mind on things, she hates social media, and then she gets social media. Um, I just. I'm really curious what's going to happen in the next two sections. That's going to make me spending 189 pages and this girl's head worth it. I don't mean that meanly. I just, I can't imagine what, I still cannot imagine what Lola could have done that justifies this crazy, like need to ruin her life and all the steps that she's willing to go through to make that happen, including hooking up with her husband, which I know she feels like is the kind of like her prize for at the end of this, like she wants to ruin Lola's life and end up with Corey, um so I don't know. I just can't imagine what Lola could have done to deserve this, I guess. Is is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, this is there's two things that are confusing. The first is what you just said, like what could Lola have done? O- obviously, it seems like it was an accident whatever happened. I'm guessing a car accident. So like how, you know, obviously that's not something you feel good about if your parents were killed in an accident, but It wasn't intentional. That's the first thing. The second thing is she keeps mentioning this like insane plan that she has. But what is the plan? It seems like she's constantly like veering off of the plan. And then the plan is just to have an affair with Corey. But that doesn't also seem like it was the plan. She just like really likes him now. So now it's part of the plan. And I just I don't know if she is a maniacal genius or she's just totally unhinged. Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying, too. And also, I,
1: I think I would feel and maybe this is the point. Maybe this is we're supposed to be inside of her head. Like, I want to know what her end game is, like what her plan is, what she's trying to do. And like how everything that she's doing is necessary to get there. She kind of like she's taking the long way. <laughs> like, what are you trying to do? Could you do this more efficiently? I don't know. But, I mean, maybe that's the point, too, is, like, she is not – she is unhinged. She is not fully there and thinking through her decisions or the consequences. That could be it as well. So, in this section, um, we do find out – obviously, I think we had guessed that Lola had killed her parents in some way. And we find out that, in fact, something Lola did did kill her parents or result in that. She does say, Lola, that she has no regrets, though. What did you think about this exchange?
0: From this exchange – I took away that Lola knows more than we think she does, because that does seem like something that maybe would have come up like, oh, yeah, there was this horrible accident and I was really young, but I still think about it. I mean, clearly we know from the end when Ivy finds the notebook that this is a painful part of Lola's life because she had ripped out the pages of her journal so she doesn't want to think about it she doesn't want to remember it it definitely seems like it's a regret right but she didn't say that and she's never alluded to it she's never even mentioned it so that's why I think she must know more than we're giving her credit for or more than Ivy's giving her credit for
1: I would love if we spent this whole time in Ivy's head for this to all be something else that Lola does and she's like a serial killer that won't happen but I just like am you know something interesting um I think it was I didn't think about it in that way but now that you're saying it I'm like that makes complete sense like she did not mention this she must know who Ivy is or have some sense that Ivy might know but also Ivy mentions a cover-up so I could also see Lola like vowing to even though she knows even though she's starting to trust Ivy like whatever deal she made she's like i'm never going to like bring it up again because her and ivy really did only meet like a month ago um it seems like that's lola's uh downfall though it's like picking up strays as they say or like falling in love with friends overnight
0: i think twists are coming obviously i don't know i just based on the type of book this is like i think there's more twists coming and i think georgia definitely knows more and it's uh, from flipping forward into part two, we are starting with Georgia and getting out of Ivy's head. So we are going to get a little bit more of a like well-rounded perspective about what's going on around Lola. I can't wait to be in somebody else's head who's an outside perspective
1: too, who's not Lola or Ivy, because I think I don't know what Georgia knows. I love this kind of storyline trope, though, of her like, is she ultra loyal? It reminds me of like watching things like The Crown and they're like private secretaries and all the things that they know and hold secret. Which I find interesting, but I can't wait to hear what Georgia really thinks of these people. (laughs) All of them, including Lola and Corey.
0: There is a tense dynamic between Corey and Lola, which I'm interested to learn more about. It seems that Corey is not around that often. They clearly have had a difficult time with having a miscarriage, which is a very difficult thing for a couple to go through. And it seems like Corey has decided that they're not going to try again but Lola's saying it's her decision. It just seems like there's a lot there between the two of them that Georgia definitely would know about being in the house.
1: Agree. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I also think that it's interesting because Lola does seem to fill her life and a lot of time of it with her friends and specifically with whoever is her current number one. Um, And I feel like it's interesting. Ivy's always over there for dinner. She's sleeping over. She's hanging out. And, like, what is Corey doing? I feel like he's not at home as much as somebody who – you would assume would be who lives there. I mean, he's a plastic surgeon. Like, he's got some pretty normal hours. Like, what is this dude doing? Two things I still cannot believe happened. One, I cannot believe she hooked up with Corey, and she basically forced him to. And two, that Kiki woke up and was like, I know you pushed me, bitch. What? (laughs) To both of those situations.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was a little... Disappointed that Corey seems to be so easily swayed into this. Oh affair. my god, yeah!
1: It takes him like one second of being like not putting his hands on her, and then he's like, "Man, eh, fuck it!"
0: Like, you know what? You know
1: what? I let me am see not those boobs that right. I made. That's true. <laughs> so I wonder what kind of what's going to happen to Corey as we go through this. Like, he's obviously unhappy in the moment with lola but like i didn't expect him to turn that quickly on their like marriage honestly so i wonder what happened between him and ivy and if they'll if this will continue and what the end goal is for ivy like if cory is really thinking about leaving or if this is just a random for fun situation for him
0: it seems that Corey and Lola have a marriage of show, but they right. definitely have some chemistry between the two of them. So that I don't too. think that he's that serious about Ivy. It just seems like something that's fun and an opportunity that has presented itself. And he is taking advantage of that. <laughs> just
1: have a feeling that's not going to work out well for him. But who knows? No,
0: no, no, no. no I don't think yeah, it ever this does. Is <laughs> this is a terrible idea.
1: This is a terrible idea. Uh yeah, and I mean Georgia knows about that. I wonder if Ivy's the first. I wonder what about Kiki and Corey? Like, has anybody? Has this ever happened before? Is this just because Ivy is so adamant about winning Corey, et cetera? Um, so I am curious. Corey does sound extremely attractive, though. I mean, there is that. That's true. (laughs) Those soft hands. Oh, the
0: surgeon hands. We love it. We're here for it. Okay. Okay, well, next week we're reading part two of The Perfect Ruin, and we will see things from George's side, I guess. Yay! Was your week? Hi, Erica. Hi, my week was good. I was on a writing retreat with my cohort, so I didn't get a lot of reading done, but I also didn't get a lot of writing done. But that's okay. Okay, but did you have a good weekend with them? It was a week, but yes. Oh my god, we had a great time. (laughs) I love that for you. (laughs) We went to my cohort mate Patrick's parents' place in the Poconos, and. Just That's hung amazing. out and worked during the day, so we all like took meetings. I think the problem was we didn't block it off as a writing week, so we all ended up having a bunch of meetings and doing other uh, work. In so you still to worked writing, a lot. Yeah, we still worked like a full, like a normal day, and right. then we just would make dinner and play board games and drink wine. So it was really fun. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're going to work the whole day,
1: I was in my head, I was like, oh, you shouldn't do like you were just relaxing, but if you were working, yeah, I mean. Then writing on top of that, you can't work a whole day and then write.
0: Well, I mean, it's like woven into the day, but it just wasn't it wasn't more progress than usual. (laughs) I'm also very like I'm a routinized person, so I like writing in the same space with all my things. Like I have this I have a bunch of organizing mechanisms. And one is this dry erase board where I write all my projects and like all the to do's and where I am on each project. So I can just look at it and be like, okay, that's the most important thing. I'll start there and then I'll do this. And I just like didn't have it with me. And so at a certain point on Tuesday, I was just like, what do I even have to do? Oh, I you know I just that. didn't even have my, I didn't have my dry erase board. So anyways, if I don't have my to do list. Though.
1: I like, am literally like, I don't know where I am. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm supposed to be working on.
0: I could not tell you
1: my handwritten one too. I don't like it on my computer. I like to physically write it.
0: So not a lot of writing done, but a lot of fun times with my cohort. Um, I have been reading Ashley Ford's memoir Somebody's Daughter, which is really good. It's short, so I'll probably finish it this week. Um, I really wanted to read it instead of the perfect ruin. I'm sorry. But that it's so good, and I want to know what happens. She's just uh she's very sweet. It's uh I think this is definitely a book for the maybe quiet sort of nerdy girls who are like the big readers in um high school and middle school so Mm. perfect perfect was definitely written for you (laughs) she has like a lot of interesting family dynamics and sweet relationship with her brother and yeah it's really good and I can't wait to she's in college right now where I'm at in the memoir so I can't wait to keep going
1: No, I kind of want to read it
0: I am also reading a really good book that I did not want to put down um, to pick up the perfect
1: ruin because it was just at such a good spot in it. But it's called Olga Dies Dreaming, and there's a lot happening. But basically, it follows Olga. She's a Puerto Rican um, and she is living in New York. Her brother is a congressman and she owns a like wedding planning business, um, which is not really a focal point of it. But her parents were part of the Young Lords. They are like, revolutionaries her mom has left them so there's like a ton of family drama that's really interesting um and it's in the wake of hurricane maria and what how they're kind of all grappling with being puerto rican but also being american and what that really meant um for worse really after hurricane maria um and it's so good like the family intricacies her and her brother um her brother's going through some like serious health issues kind of on the side and he's got some shady business happening he's trying to work through but also like hold his family together and it's it's just like really captivating I'm loving it
0: it's exciting I don't know if that was a
1: good summary because there's like probably four different storylines happening and I am very committed to all of them there's a you know there's like a love story there's yeah her brother there's her mom it's it's really good I'm gonna finish it so I can give it to you
0: oh perfect I think you'll love it.
1: Also, she has the cutest love story falling in love with this guy, Matteo, And it is, like, so funny. He's also a hoarder. Just, like, there's so many so many different levels to this story. <laughs> that sounds, so. I love it already. You're going to love it. It's so good. Um, but, yeah, other than that, we moved. And so now I need to spend this whole day unpacking this house. And finding my MacBook charger. So fun. Yay. So fun. (laughs) So fun. Um, It doesn't feel as overwhelming as moving into the apartment did, though, I will say.
0: So that's good. That's good.
1: Because things are just (laughs) spread out. (laughs) Yeah. You can also just, like, put stuff in a room and close the door. Exactly. That's, like, exactly what I do. There's nothing in this room. It's, like, the couch and four plants. I'm, like, this is kind of nice. It's great. Just don't walk in the
0: other rooms. Okay, yes. well, exciting stuff. I'll see you <gasps> next weekend. Okay, see you Friday. Yay. Yay.
1: Don't worry, I won't hum the tune for you.
0: Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. Too much. (laughs) Let me say it again. What are questions? What are words?